This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. My name's Peach, and for the past couple of years, I've been helping my friend Shag overcome his childhood aversions to everyday foods in the podcast Fussy Eater. Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooko. So a couple of weeks ago, I woke up to a message from our mate Lee Tran Lam, who is the host of the very excellent The Unbearable Lightness of Being Hungry food podcast. She's also a noted night owl who told me that overnight, the team behind the super popular Reply All podcast had debuted a new series called Scaredy Cats. As you can tell from the name, Scaredy Cats has a very similar premise to Spooko. Two hosts, one fan and one novice going through a synopsis each week to help conquer his fear. Which is word for word what I wrote on their Twitter, thinking that I needed some sort of, I don't know, some recognition for the idea, thinking, you know, not that they'd stolen the idea, but thinking that, you know, I was there first. When After I wrote that, I noticed something really cool. There were a whole bunch of other creators commenting on the announcement as well, all from podcasts with very similar premises to Spooko. The more I digged, the more it felt like the first Wives Club, and I realized Spooko wasn't alone. We're actually part of this new or semi-new subgenre of podcasts that could only really exist in podcasts, grappling with the adult fear of scary movies. So I reached out to one of them. Too Scary Didn't Watch, or TS semicolon DW, excellent use of a semicolon in a title, is a weekly podcast from Los Angeles in which horror fans Henley Cox and Sammy Smart discuss horror films with their non-horror fan friend, very non-horror fan friend, Emily Gonzalez. And to be honest, it's fucking awesome. If you're a Spooko fan, you really should be listening to it. They do things slightly differently and in many ways pretty much better than we do. They're awesome. Here's a clip from their recent Cabin in the Woods episode. A lot of my trivia is focused on a, a particular character in the film named Marty, who is the stoner guy of the crew. And <laughs> there's a scene where they all go in the lake. And apparently he's the only one who didn't go in the lake because he is absolutely shredded. And they thought his body went against his character. <laughs> and the director <laughs> said he looked ripped like muscular Jesus. <laughs> so, <laughs> So they had to put him in baggy clothes throughout the whole movie because they felt like him being complete, like in such good shape didn't fit with him being like a huge stoner. I did not know what you meant when you said absolutely shredded. I was like, <laughs> his body was shredded to pieces by Yeah, they something? couldn't show that. They couldn't let him swim because his body was shredded. <laughs> <laughs> It would have been really distracting to show his shredded body. Oh. Sorry, everything's making me laugh too oh hard. God. They had to cover him in baggy clothes <laughs> to hide his wounds. And they cast a fully shredded man and realized their mistake too late. All right, super, super, super excited joining us on Spooko this week. Uh, Emily and Sammy from Too Scary Didn't Watch. Guys, welcome to Sydney. Oh my gosh. Thank, Thank you for you. having us. Thank you. It's remarkable <laughs> to be able to travel 
yeah. how, how have you enjoyed your time here so far? Um, I mean, from what I can see through the Zoom window, it looks gorgeous. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm moving to Sydney. <laughs> I've made up my mind. <laughs> what a time to move across the world. <laughs> Why not? So I've got to, I've got to ask, first of all, um, the premise of Too Scary Didn't Watch is basically Spooko, except it came out a month before we started. So there's that. <laughs> um, tell, tell us a little bit, where did Too Scary Didn't Watch come from? Emily? Oh yeah, I'll go right in. Um, well, <laughs> It, it really just started, uh, we have a third, a third uh, host with us, Henley, and Henley and Sammy and I are all good friends, and um, Sammy is much, much braver than we are, when, and, our, and Silent Jenna, for listeners of our podcast, we have a fourth silent host, um, but they are big fans of scary movies, and Henley and I are always very curious to know what happens. I mean, reading the Wikipedia page is a thing I've done many times in my life um, for a movie, <laughs> um, and... So we just found ourselves constantly asking Sam to tell us what happened in scary movies. And I believe it was Henley who thought that it, she was like, people would like this. Like, I think it's interesting to listen to Sammy tell us about scary movies. And we just sort of started doing it mostly for ourselves and then found out that it related to people, which I'm sure you guys have had a similar experience. Right. Um, but it's really just an excuse for the three of us friends to sit down and talk about movies every week and then hopefully other people enjoy it. <laughs> Now, we've sort of used our podcast to start beef with like as many people as we can manage. So, oh, I um, love that. We've called out Eli Roth. We've called out a lot of English rappers, um, a few dead directors now. Um, Shag, who is the, who's the Italian director? Oh, the, oh you know the Tilda no, Swinton film? The Tilda Swinton film. Until, like the, the only one she's been in she's very, yeah. she's very underrated <laughs> I, I don't know if you guys have, uh, have explored any of the new french extremity that weird subgenre of horror movies between like 2000 and 2010 no Mm-mm. so many horror movies to do i get overwhelmed but there are so many um guys so like i'm always out trying to start beef and shag's like hey there's this podcast is doing exactly the same stuff that we're doing <sighs> And I, I don't know if you guys are down for a bit of like trans-Pacific beef. Like if it's a, if it's a way like that Kanye and 50 Cent. Do you remember in 2007? You guys are probably too young for this, but basically. Yeah, I wasn't alive gradu- in 2007. <laughs> <laughs> graduation and Shag, was it, this is graduation and some 50 Cent record was released on the same weekend. Uh, can I can I just jump in here? I'm so sorry about Peach. He's so hilariously, needlessly aggressive in some weird ways. But um, I love it. One one of the th- he does really like starting beef. Um, I'm into that. What I think's cool is when we started Spooko, I was I kind of wanted to be a my favorite murder, but not using real life stories because that's like maybe that's a bit ethically. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's not. Maybe it is. Sure, I've never thought about where do they, how do they get all the stories and are people upset about that being discussed? I don't know. Bringing that up again? Yeah. Anyway, good point. We didn't even consider it, but see, you're like one step ahead of us on that front. But but the thing is, you guys basically are that idea, which I think is super cool. Can I ask, so tell tell us the roles of this. So you, you sort of mentioned before, but Sammy, you like horror movies, and Emily, you don't like horror movies. Is that correct? S- Sammy literally yes. has a black cat behind her. 
Like, and it's a fairly <laughs> spooko sort of scenario we're looking at. They might actually start fighting in a second. There is a stray cat that really riles them up. I have two cats, and because they can't fight with the stray cat, they sometimes take it out on each other, and it's a very <laughs> annoying thing that I've had to deal with now. I feel like the entire cast of Insidious is hanging just outside your window there, like oh, ready God. to just be like, hey, Sammy, what's going on? <laughs> no, don't say that. True nightmare. True nightmare. <laughs> Sammy, are you the one that has a plant in your house? that looks like a man yes that's that's the <laughs> the culprit right there it doesn't look like a man at all no it was just catching the corner of my eye a lot and i was freaked out by the new large object in my hand <laughs> it's a tough time you know we're all we're all on edge. we're all adjusting <laughs> i get it i get it we're all on edge right now so one of the one of the things I think is super interesting as well, because Sammy, I heard as well in in listening to the podcast, is that you also didn't like horror movies, but then you you've come around to them. Has has there been a moment recently on the podcast or in your life where you realized I can do this? I like horror movies now. Yeah, there were a few movies that kind of because yeah, I, I didn't like them growing up. I was really scared of them growing up. I saw Poltergeist when I was eight, and it was a really horrible experience. I saw it at a slumber party and made my mom come pick me up. <laughs> um, That's and they child's just play never... for me. I was like, nah, Ben yes. Chilliburdy's party. Oh, there's always one. There's always one that scars you. Um, so yeah, I was never really a, a horror person and there really are diehard horror people. So I always felt the need to like distinguish myself from that because I'm not. I'm still oh, you learning can't too. Trust die hard. The people who have all the <laughs> merchandise and the clothes and yeah, it's a little weird, right? Yeah, no. Yeah, I guess I don't want. So weird that. genre to to say that you love <laughs> to that extent. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, a little alarming. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> this is, this so is my identity, and I feel good about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so in college, uh, I took a horror film class and sorry sorry in college you took a horror film class yes um it was a weekend class where we basically watched three or four horror movies a day for saturday and sunday so it was like a horror immersion (laughs) class that's so cool and i really really enjoyed it and one of the movies we watched was the descent and i think that was one that really (laughs) that was one that really won me over i liked it um, and then more recently, the Babadook was one that I really loved. And I love this kind of, um, I, horror has always been like this, but I feel like recently we've been getting a lot of horror that's like, um, you know, just human emotions presented in these big, crazy ways. So I like the, the meaning behind a lot of these horror films. Yeah. Like, uh, horror movies that are, um, I, I know people are going to get mad at me for saying this. I was going to say like real movies are all real movies, but that are not targeted towards such a niche audience that like mm. the Ari Aster's that hereditary midsummer movies that everyone wants to see and talk about. Mm. Those are really what got us into wanting to do the podcast because all of a sudden there were horror movies that weren't, didn't feel like they were just for horror fans to appreciate. And I just started feeling left out because I knew I couldn't handle seeing it, but I wanted to be a part of the whole moment. One of the reasons we kind of started this is obviously, like, I think we're exactly the same. Like, Peach and I like to find an opportunity to just hang out once a week, which is awesome. But at the same time, you know, we saw this as like a mission to try and get Peach over this fear because 
when you get to a certain age, it seems ridiculous that you're still scared of movies and you wouldn't watch them. Can I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that as shade, Emily, but are you- Well, I'm really upset and I'm leaving. (laughs) (laughs) But are you at a point now where you're starting to see the appeal and uh, are kind of getting into it? Um, Oh yeah, I like, I, I still am, I have seen more, I've been more willing to see scary movies than I ever have. Still, they're like the milder versions, but um, I have such an appreciation for them from afar, which is weird to not have watched most of them and just heard about them. But I, I'm like amazed by the genre and what people are able to do. It feels like, like I was going on a, a exploration recently about how it allows for so much more, um, forgiveness of like the, what is real and what is not. You can do such surreal, interesting things in horror and like get away with it. And it, so it lets filmmakers make such huge, take huge risks that other filmmakers can't necessarily take. Um, and I'm, I'm fascinated by it. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's interesting to hear Emily's experience because I feel like I've never been further from watching a horror movie. Like I feel like <laughs> the longer the podcast goes on, I'm like, mm, fuck this. Like, I'm not, <laughs> like, I'm not a part of this. There are some that I will never see. <laughs> Like, can, I, can I ask, are there any, are there any where you're like, no, no? Well, I, I, yeah, Peach's mentioning Rosemary's Baby. I don't even know what it's about and I'm scared. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, probably that's one that I wouldn't watch. Um, like, I mean, Hereditary is one. I mean, I've heard about it on the podcast and, oh, I just, it makes me feel bad to even think about it. Um, and, and things like, you know, conjuring paranormal activity. I don't know what things within someone's own home, I think are really, really still too hard for me to watch because I mean, especially now where I'm only in my own home, but like the idea of being unsafe in every moment, like I can't, I can't do that. I'm so sorry. But, my but, are really <laughs> but like a, a, a zombie movie I could maybe do or like what you know uh there are some that I could maybe handle but I don't want to I don't want to be like looking in corners of my house and feeling like left with dread (laughs) Peach I know there's there's some genres that you've kind of come around to I think the sort of English um pre like the pre pre pre-Christian English religious tradition ones like your like your wicker mans and your kill lists I'm kind of a tiny bit like yeah okay and the fun goofy ones like I suspect the best ones we've done I suspect the witch is amazing I suspect Babadook's amazing I suspect us is amazing I'm not going to watch any of them but the sort of (laughs) the ones I would watch is kind of like Hellraiser or like Nightmare on Elm Street 3 or something super goofy that I can imagine being like no you crazy guys what are you what are you up to (laughs) so we so we're currently uh in this podcast and we won't do it in this episode because I don't like (laughs) it could just go forever but uh part of part of what's happening in this podcast we're slowly writing our own horror film based on all the tropes we're loving i heard about it eyes up right it's called eyes up uh, starring Ludacris. (laughs) did you hear from Ludacris? perfect (laughs) luda called me (laughs) we've been in talks we've got we've got disturbing the peace doing the soundtrack luda's luda's guesting he'll take a slice of the box office (laughs) i mean you guys are in los angeles surely you know yeah it's buzzing over here yeah Yeah, oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) the second you move here you just end up on a list and we can make any movie we want (laughs) all you do is ask (laughs) so so what i want to ask you guys are there any like what are your 
favorite horror movie tropes. And I'll start by saying one of our faves that we're using features in the Hellraiser films a lot is where somebody skins someone else alive and then wears their skin and somehow passes as the person, even though if you wore someone's skin, no one would ever think, wow, that's the person. What a great point. I also, since we did Midsummer, I have a lot of questions about the logistics of what that is like on the inside. I want to know what that feels like on the inside of the skin <laughs> that you're wearing and how that is even possible to pull off. Like no one, no one goes into that. I would like to write a movie that goes into that. <laughs> the logistics. <laughs> yes. Just like how, like a, like a tutorial video of what it is like to take someone's skin and put it on yours as a, a deep skin dive. suit. Now, the other, the other reason I'm slightly shook if we're taking a beef perspective is that we've got like a sub goal to get booze as like a genuine commercial heart of oh. what we're doing. Like we want yeah. three free beers, at least one more free beer. Well, I think there's an altruistic nature to it. So, well, well I'm putting an altruistic spin on it. So basically we, uh, we are put out by a local community radio station called FBI and like any sort of arts organization right now, sort of suffering. So we kind of seeing this, we're like, well, what if we get some like alcohol sponsorship? Because for some reason, every episode we talk about this one particular beer, Rashes. And it's like, cool, well, we've already done the promo. <laughs> you can just like sling FBI some money um, and also sling Peach some free long necks. I don't like... I don't know if that term long neck yeah. makes sense to you, but it's about, um, it's about 28 or 30 ounces. So if you guys take a 40 ounce, which is about ooh, yeah. X liters, it's sort of marginally smaller than that. That's, it seems like a great size, a perfect size. Some might say. I love, yeah, I love that size. <laughs> Reshers make my favorite kind. So, um, you know, I mean, this is essentially a commercial. Yeah. Now, now, now guys, the other commercial reality is that um, on, it's only my work account that has unlimited zoom. And so we've only got 40 minutes for this, for this session and we're 22 minutes in All right. so, don't, don't they usually at the moment though do that and i'll edit this out but don't they usually do I that thing it. at the moment where it goes you've got 40 like we're giving you a gift i feel like they have been being kind lately okay well let's well let's write it out hey let's roll the dice yeah. <laughs> so sammy what cocktail would you serve with uh, today's film the name of which i'm not sure if we even know like what's your what's your go-to horror movie cocktail um, well, I've been switching it up every movie, and uh, it, I, I don't know. I didn't think of one for this, but you, you're talking about beer made me think of one of my favorite cocktails, which is a Michelada, and I think it pairs well with any, <laughs> any movie. Any beer. And with horror movies, because it, you make it look a little bloody. Yeah, it looks uh, like Ah, yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, they're delicious. Every child is afraid of the dark, the unknown, the nightmare. In Gatlin, Nebraska, that nightmare is in the core. Stephen King's Children of the Core, an adult nightmare. The 1984, big year for me being two years old, big year for Linda Hamilton, Terminator 2's out. Uh, and now apparently this film's out. Shag, it looked like a post-Christian wicker man with like slugs underground. I'm about it. This looks fun. Yeah, dude. This uh, Children of the Corn is is one of the better cheesy 80s films. Like we haven't done one of these in a while. We've gone sort of serious. We've gone dark. We've gone 
Jordan Peele message, like satire of human society, uh, back to proper crazy 80s horror. Um, now, one of the things I love that Too Scary Didn't Watch does is at the, when, you know, when you watch the trailer and then you do trivia about it, is that correct? Am I, am I getting the sort of run of Too Scary Didn't Watch right? Yes, yes. We always do some trivia, but uh, just to, to, to let you know how, how we do it, we just pull from the IMDb <laughs> trivia page. <laughs> just sort of who pulled that fact up first and says it aloud. <laughs> Every now and again with guests, they'll have some like personal, you know, attachment to it that becomes a little bit of personal trivia. But yeah, it's pretty straightforward. I think this is interesting. So Linda Hamilton, uh, Sarah Connor from the Terminator franchise, Mm -hmm. which I think is super exciting. Um, Originally a Stephen King short story Mm -hmm, that was mm -hmm. turned. So, you know, like they they went out of Vogue adapting his films and now like totally back in Vogue. for some, I always find it interesting looking into the uh, looking into the budgets of these things. Peach yeah, is always yeah, like, "Why yeah. are we doing this?" I do like it on your pod. You often talk about this too. The yeah, inflation yeah. renders these numbers pointless. It's like it costs <laughs> three pound and seven. Yeah, but you could still yeah. tell if it was a complete failure if it like made no money afterwards. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to judge uh, the success, uh, and so we can feel superior. I don't know. Okay, so look, in nineteen eighty four. Anyway, go. In not, <laughs> like, in I'm sorry to say how fucking irrelevant this is. I'm just about to talk about it. I'm curious. In 1984, this made this was made for eight hundred thousand dollars, which in 1984 dollars is like fifty billion dollars. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that seems right. Yeah. But it then went on to make fourteen point six million, so it recouped its costs. Yeah. Congratulations. Which is a, like, the net worth of the whole say? world at that point, I think. <laughs> this is the most successful movie of its time. <laughs> if I am to understand the math, and I don't, I don't. Only dethroned by Blair Witch. <laughs> all right. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Well, now, now before we go into this, though, we got sidetracked by talk of delicious uh, Resh's Micheladas. Can mm-hmm. I ask, mm-hmm. what are your favorite horror movie tropes? Ah, uh, um, well, one that has always kind of haunted me. I don't know if this is a trope exactly or just something that happens a lot, but whenever they close a mirror and then someone is there behind them or close the door and someone pops up, I, every time I'm in the bathroom and inside my mirror, I expect someone to be behind me. <laughs> yeah, I mirrors are terrifying it. for that reason. Yeah. Gosh, what's As what's someone my... who doesn't watch As someone who has only well, heard about them. You've heard about them. I've heard about them. Um, um, I think like, is this a trope? I don't know where it's, you're, you're given like the silhouette of someone or just enough of like a half image to think that you know who it is. And then it's somebody uh, like that whole, like, that feels maybe more like in classic horror times, but of Mm -hmm, like, Oh, mm -hmm. who who is it? Where, where is he? Which is maybe why it was so funny to me when we, we did Halloween recently and it's like, Oh no, it's him. Here he is. He's not hiding. It's just him all the time. Yeah. There he is. There he is again. (laughs) I'm at that stage of life where it's the false children. They're like, hey, don't worry. Like insidious style. Because um, yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's the episode of Too Scary Didn't Watch I listened to most recently. The like replacement child of like, little Johnny's gone. And now it's me, the ghost of fucking Billy Bloggs, the serial killer <laughs> from 30 years ago. And you're like, oh, 
Billy Bloggs. Get get out of there. Get, get out. out. <laughs> <laughs> I will say so least funny. favorite, least favorite trope that seems I think it's happened one hundred percent of the time in all the movies we've done is the dog dying. Come on, guys. Mm. Pick another way to tell us that, that there's bad news ahead. <laughs> Stop with dogs. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, yeah, like for or me, to show like someone's thematic. evil by like, I kill dogs. It's like, cool. Like, <laughs> just like, I don't want to linger on the gaslighting because we decided we were a woke podcast 35 episodes ago. But just, <laughs> oh, but then be. we did, but then we did uh, the human centipede, which cancelled us. <laughs> but just the degree to which it's like, Shag, that's not happening. Just go, oh, you're just an idiot. Like, it's just normal teen party stuff, you idiot. It's a prank or whatever. Just the degree. Oh, really? You saw something? I think you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> or like, especially when it's a husband doing that to uh, to a wife or something, where you're like, okay, come on. Well, we came Come straight on. out the gate with Hereditary and I've been uh, like in love with Tony Collette since Japanese Story in 2002. And so the first thing I hear is whatever, like Blogsy being like, no, oh, Tony Collette, you're just mad and crazy again. And I'm like, that's it. And now an anti-gaslighting podcast. And to be an anti-gaslighting podcast, you're like an anti-horror film podcast. It's like, <laughs> it's like the most dominant plot point. It does happen is, a lot. You're making happens it Happens a lot. I, I, one of my faves is the fact that and even like, you know, was listening to the Halloween episode yesterday. Whenever you go to a mental hospital in a horror film, it's never a nice facility where people go to actively like look after their like, right. you know, disorders or whatever. There's literally a bunch of doctors who don't believe ever anyone who are just awful and just are like, so tell me again about this killer you right, saw. Right, right, right. That's Linda Hamilton as well. Bringing us back to Children of the Corn. <gasps> All right. Okay. All right. Okay. okay. I digress. Thank you for that, guys. Yes. Uh, <laughs> let's move into, into today's film. So Children of the Corn, 1984. Uh, the film is set in the fictional town of Gatlin, Nebraska, which uh, obviously how, I don't know if you guys have been to Nebraska. Is it a very rural state? I actually have been. Um, oh, Sammy. <laughs> hey. And, and yes, it looked just like the movie <laughs> Cornfields <laughs> everywhere. In 1980, the town appears to be neglected except for the church and residents choose biblical names over more modern ones. When the corn crop fails one year, the townsfolk turn to prayer to ensure a successful harvest. This is very wicked. It's wicked, man. Wicker so man. How, however, 12-year-old Isaac Croner takes all of the children in Gatlin into the cornfields and indoctrinates them into a religious cult based around a bloodthirsty deity he calls... He who walks behind the rose. I'm, I'm just going to stop here because this is so different to the way you guys go through films. It's like basically Wikipedia <laughs> gives away the entire plot yeah. straight away. <laughs> no, it's fun. And Emily, corn scares you, right? <laughs> corn, um, is scary. corn is scary. Corn is scary. Sorry, corn is scary. Um, it's well in horror movies because it's it's like it's tall, <laughs> it's tall, um, noisy, noisy. That was mm. and it's it place. surrounds you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, no, I mean I, I'm already not I'm not loving this. I'm shocked to hear that a 12 year old is a cult leader. That took me by surprise. I know nothing about this movie. <laughs> why I love this film. Why I wanted to do this is. I, like, you know, you can talk about like what horror films are and what they do, but I think at their very base level, it's taking something normal or something nice and innocent and making it evil. 
and being like, what would happen if this thing was evil, right? And like, the worst thing you can do is take kids and go, kids are the symbol of innocence. What if kids were evil? And basically right. children of the corners, like, what if kids were evil? It's like, it's like that thing we were saying before about us. Like, if there's a bad guy with a gun, no one's scared, even though the gun is super deadly. deadly. If there's a bad guy with a pair of scissors, all of a sudden that's the scariest fucking thing in the world. <laughs> oh God, that's so true. Is yeah. this like the what Pixar model? <laughs> Of like, what if X had feelings? Of like, what if fucking ants had feelings? What if fish had feelings? Yeah, exactly. What but if you just go, what if it was evil? Feeling? What if toys had So feelings? like, what if a cactus was evil? Don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, fucking, yep. Especially if they have scissors. Um, let me tell you what, I think you've really landed on something there. Put that in your movie because as a soon as you said, scissors. give them scissors, I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 thank you. All right. Okay, so we got this 12-year-old Isaac Croner who's taken all of the children in Gatlin into the cornfields, created this cult around a bloodthirsty deity called He Who Walks Behind the Rose. Isaac Rose, R-O-W-S, R-O-S-E. Yeah, R-O-W-S. The Rose of Corn. Oh, yeah, you're right. It's not Rose, but yeah, the Rose of Corn. I'm not down with corn lingo, so sorry if I get some of this Fucking get off the podcast. (laughs) What are you doing here? This is a corn podcast. (laughs) But also not like a KO, a backwards KO. Oh no, KO, backwards We can appreciate both. Any kind of corn, all the corn. (laughs) Yes. Jonathan, what's his name? Sidler. What's his name? (laughs) I actually don't know his name. I I really know that. I was trying to ask. No, it's Jonathan Davis. Corn's a band, Um, like a very corny band, ironically. Mm-hmm. No, but they, he always like, he always scattered. So he'd be like, <laughs> like Oh my gosh, metal scatting. That's fun. <laughs> that is fun. This is a very How did we podcast. decide that was like a tough thing to do? Like, I remember at the time everyone being like, there will never be heavier music than Jonathan Davis scatting. <laughs> this is it. We've peaked. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. So look, so Isaac has a subordinate who's 18 years old and his name's Malachi. Now they lead the children in a revolution murdering all the adults ages 19 and up in town as human sacrifices, poisoning and butchering them. Only now, Joe... Can I just... Can, okay, I, can I just interrupt? Another theme of horror movies is butcher shaming. Like, like <laughs> butchery is a sacred craft that is super respectful to the dead beast. That's such a good point. Across religions, butchery is important. Yeah, and like an even day to day. Like, I don't want to get in too much into farmers versus butchers for meat preparation, but like, I think we should. You go to farmers markets, right, where the meat has come from the farmer who has carved up the carcass on site, and your steaks are not ideal and everything's suboptimal. And even though you're paying stacks of money, like, they're really weird cuts that aren't quite cutting across the sinew. And basically, it's super difficult. These are uh, 0.1% problems, Uh, these are renovations down the street problems. Um, and then butchery is a precise art of trying to bring value from the beast, of trying to go in, carve up the oxtail, rip out the tongue. Butchery. That's such good. a good point. So, so if a bunch of kids like slaughter their parents with like machetes or whatever, as they do in this film, that's not butchery. Butchered them. That's, that's not, not precise. <laughs> no, that's just cutting. It's using the whole that's beast. That's just cutting. <laughs> Willy nilly cutting. That's just cutting. All right, Chopping. look. I, I respect that. And anytime I see the word butchering, I'll self-censor and change yes. it to cutting. Sorry the to word. any butchers out there. Yeah. Out of respect to the butchers. <laughs> Only Job and his sister, Sarah, who are not involved. As Sarah was sick and Job was not allowed to attend the meetings in the corn with the other children. 
It is revealed in, I can't believe this happens all at the start of the film. Mm -hmm. It is revealed in the opening credits that Sarah has visions, which are portrayed through the credits via drawings. Now, this is another one of my favorite horror tropes where it's like, how do we tell this story in a way that's really cheap? We'll just have a character that has visions of all the things that we need to tell the audience. That's Stephen King for you. I was going to say, Stephen King especially (laughs) loves to have a kid who like, I guess they have powers, but whatever. (laughs) The vision, vision, vision X machina. It's good. It's like, well, let's. Oh, exactly. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, look, three years later on. Oh, in fact, I, I need to go back. Shout out to Ringo. I don't know if you guys have done the ring or Ringu. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, the ring, not Ringu. Yeah. You guys did uh, the Naomi Watts one. They explained the horses, Shag, where you didn't explain the horses. But there's, there's an amazing moment towards <laughs> the end of the ring slash Ringu, depending on which one, where uh-huh. the whole time you've been like, what is this? What is this girl? Why is she doing this? And literally when they get close to the body, she has a vision that everybody shares. And then we see the whole vision as a flashback. And it's just the cheapest way to tell the story. Right. Sorry, that's my beef with Ringo, which yeah. is, apart from that, Fair. a phenomenal film. That's my house, by the way, in the background. Great Dem- house. Oh. Great Dem- house. Dem- no, demolition. Sorry, that sound was my house. <laughs> Sorry, sick. All right, we're back. All right. So, okay. So, three years later, on October 31, 1983, October 31 being Halloween, right? Yes. Yes. Um, 1983, Vicki Baxter and her boyfriend, Bert Stanton, travel through rural Nebraska on their way to Seattle, where Bert will start working as a physician. I also love the horror movie trope of I'm on my way to start a new life. And this is yeah, just yeah, yeah, yeah. This part of the journey there. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. Everything's ahead of me. What could go wrong? Oh, <laughs> that's, oh. that's exactly it. Oh, nope. <laughs> oh bloody hell <laughs> I ruined it we're a very professional podcast <laughs> to be fair I actually think we're doing pretty well for four people and two groups of which have never spoken to each other in their life so I think we're doing pretty well I think so too so okay so Bert Stanton is travelling through rural Nebraska with Vicky Baxter his girlfriend he's on his way to being a physician somewhere else a young boy named Joseph tries to flee Gatlin but is attacked in the corn he stumbles out into the road and Bert accidentally runs him over with his car. And he goes flying. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> he, really, he really does. I love the sort of physical comedy in the 80s horror movies as well, where bodies really are just like sacks that people yeah, put clothes on. It's like a dummy that's just, they're just flinging it. <laughs> well, like the unintentional comedy of that, like the the French new wave, brute wave, fucked up wave cinema has this moment in shag what's the what's the one where it's the where it's the revelation at the end of the we're trying oh to- high high tension high tension right so there's this never oh my some, god never do high tension it is so fucked up it's like ding dong answers the door and then gets shot with a shotgun in a way that blasts them across the room and it's oh, a no. comedy moment that you're like oh wow <laughs> Someone just got shot across the room. It's, it's like, I mean, it has the elements of physical comedy yeah. while not necessarily being hilarious. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. All right. So anyway, so yeah. this is, I think this is one of those classic moments where Bert's like, fuck, I've hit this kid, but it turns out his throat was cut beforehand. So Bert and Vicky place Joseph and his suitcase in their trunk and search for a phone to call help. I mean, it's that classic, if only they had mobile phones, children of the corn wouldn't exist. Mm-hmm. Sort of vibe. Mm-hmm. They find elderly mechanic Deal, the last adult in Gatlin, 
but he refuses them service. He is in an agreement to supply the children with fuel in exchange for his life. But the merciless Malachi breaks the pact and murders him against Isaac's wishes when Dale tries to steer the couple away from Gatland. Children don't have capacity to enter into contracts. Just a nice bit of law facts in there for you. <laughs> <laughs> really took me out of it too. Yeah, yeah. Like, forget this. <laughs> They're minors. What can they do? Yeah. Like, enforceable? It's not enforceable. <laughs> <laughs> but there's just an element of like, fuck getting pushed around by kids. Like, it's part of my thing of like, fuck yeah. these idiots. <laughs> But I am sorry, again, this is that classic Wikipedia thing where any nuance, any tension is gone where within a couple of sentences, we've seen what's happening. Um, Mm -hmm. So Vicky and Bert explore the abandoned town and find Sarah alone in a house. While Vicky stays with her, Bert searches the town. Malachi and his followers appear there's so much is happening. Just, I, I hope you're following along. And I hope you're on the, the other, the other, the other thing about Wikipedia just throws names at you just constantly. So hopefully right. Malachi's pretty memorable at least. Yeah. <laughs> that one's sticking with me. All right. Okay. So we'll look, uh, Bert searching the town, Vicky's staying with Sarah, who was the girl from the start. Now Malachi and his followers appear, capture Vicky and take her to the cornfield where they place her on a cross to be sacrificed. Sorry, on a, on a cross to be sacrificed, not to be crucified, yeah. on a cross to be sacrificed. Yeah, mm, again, again, semantics, but yeah, you're right. They, they, I mean... Well, no, but someone's going to come and eat her? Uh, yeah, well, remember, they do worship some sort of day The monster behind the, the rose? Wanders the rose of corn. Right. If I'm using that corn lingo correctly. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to our corn, our corn heads out there. Yeah. <laughs> There's a big horror and corn crossover. Do we call them the Colonel Crew? The Colonel I love that. Crew. I think that we That's absolutely perfect. do. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. All right. Okay. Hang on. So Bert enters the church where... Uh, if we remember correctly, the church is still the place that's buzzing in this town that's run down. So he enters the church where a congregation of children led by a girl named Rachel are performing a cultural birthday ritual for Amos by drinking his blood from a pentagram shaped cut on his body. Yuck. <laughs> Happy birthday, Amos. <laughs> <laughs> BYO. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, the reason why they're doing that, as it's described, is Amos has turned 19, so it's considered old enough for his passing, joining their god in the cornfield. Bert scolds the children for participating in a blood ritual. <laughs> Wags his finger, yeah. <laughs> he really felt like that was his place. <laughs> Look, guys, I'm the only adult here, and I'm going to say, well, let's... You stop that. <laughs> <laughs> Now, Rachel, who's enraged because she's been hosting this blood ritual, stabs Bert. Then Malachi. <laughs> Malachi. Fucking ruining my party. Him. You're ruining my blood ritual. <laughs> so Job rescues Bert. I'm so sorry about all the names, but Job rescues Bert and they hide in a fallout shelter with Sarah, where they learn Vicky was captured and agree to help him rescue her. Okay, a turning point. Hope. All right, okay. Hope. <laughs> So the zealous Isaac scolds Malachi for his treachery in killing Dale, the adult, their only source of fuel. Malachi... What do they need fuel for? Well, actually, that's a really good point. It's a really good question. Also, in all this time, not a single one of them just learned how to operate that gas station. 
Exactly. It's like, oh shit, how do you squeeze the Yeah, hey Dale, <laughs> teach me. Teach me, Dale. But they're also like I mean, eighteen year olds in their like cool colonel click or KKK as I believe the, the, the colonel click. <laughs> oh, no. Peach, this is super embarrassing, but I learned to drive very late in life. I was probably about nineteen or twenty. And the like no one so had ever taught and I, well, no, but I got my I got my driver's license, but no one had ever taught me how to get petrol. So the first time the car was running out, I took it into a petrol station, drove it in and was like, help me. What do I do? And I literally, this was, this was in the, this was in the suburb I grew up in. So luckily, like I literally waited there for like 10 minutes being like, I don't know what the fuck to do. I don't know how to open it. I don't know how petrol gets into my car. And a friend of mine drove in and he had to show me how. And to this day, that's the only reason I know how to get petrol in my car. So I get where the kids are coming from. Okay, so it, relatable, it all checks out. Point. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Did your butler get the petrol from, from the previous year? No, but it's like, you know, when you're, like, when you're not a driver, the idea of putting petrol into the car is just this weird foreign concept that only happens to other people, right? Am I wrong? No, yeah. I, 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 similarly, I, after I got my license, moved to San Francisco where public transportation is really great. So I never drove until I moved to LA when I was 22. And same thing. I was, I was like how do you put gas in it <laughs> now i'm wondering right? when i was taught i'm like <laughs> you guys are younger siblings sammy and tom and Jack. i'm i'm an only child so you'd think oh, yeah, that i'd yes. get my shit together <laughs> <laughs> but maybe maybe it's an important part in your life like you know you have your like 13th birthday you have your 18th birthday you have your 21st birthday and you have learning how to put petrol in the, <laughs> the, the final the final thing maybe this is the appeal of the god they all worship like the monster behind the rose is like guys don't worry i will teach you one day <laughs> how to get that do enough petrol. blood sacrifices yeah. and we'll get there you'll never have to put gas in your car all right okay so look malachi who's tired of isaac's preaching takes over ordering Isaac to be sacrificed instead of Vicky. Okay, this is a big power play that I imagine in the film we built up to some sort of tension between the two. Probably. Yeah. Now, Isaac warns Malachi that sacrificing him will break their pact with he who walks behind the rose and the children will be severely punished. Just back to contract enforceability. Um, a contract to do an unlawful or illegal act, that's not enforceable either. So if you've got a pact <laughs> with, the, with the monster behind the rose, it's like, mm. Show me the paper trail. <laughs> See you in court. If we, had a, if, we had a, if we had like a death pact or something where it's like, well, if you kill my, you know, if you kill my somebody or other, I've got to kill your boss. Not enforceable. But if somebody else, so it's not enforceable at all. No. Even if you write, even if you sign it and go, this is our contract. Exactly. Exactly. Because you can't have me specifically perform an, an unlawful act. So you come before the court. This is really interesting horror movie stuff. Um, so if you, if you come before the court and seek specific performance of that contract, because I failed, um, then the court will go, nah, we're not going to do that. They go, nah. Yeah, I mean, it's like, why use a legal document to enforce in a legal act. That doesn't make Precisely. sense. Precisely. There we go. <laughs> My lawyer now? She gets it. Yeah. Welcome, Emily. It's a lonely... Oh, thank you so much. It's a lonely life. So look, okay, so we're back in. There's, there's a bit of a rift between like Isaac and Malachi. Vicky's still tied to a cross, I think. So that night, Bert sneaks into the cornfield to rescue Vicky. During Isaac's sacrifice... Okay, so Isaac is being sacrificed, all right. Okay, we'll cut right to it. That's happening. <laughs> <laughs> and look, uh, it's this 
it's an ongoing, I, I don't mean, like I understand that if you, if you tirelessly work on Wikipedia, you are unpaid. You are doing a service to humanity. But at the same time, like <laughs> a little bit of care in the synopses of horror films wouldn't go astray. Yeah, take pride in your work. We'd appreciate it. Exactly. <laughs> Some of us are trying to run podcasts off these things. <laughs> it's tough. But anyway, so during Isaac's sacrifice, a supernatural light appears and devours the screaming Isaac, which is okay. It's uh, crazy. <laughs> and I feel like it's, I just watched it and um, I was really wondering if it was all, if he was just, you know, like a, like a regular cult leader who's just making it all up to, you know, get everyone to follow him. And I was like, oh no, there's a demon. <laughs> there really is. <laughs> I'm almost a little bit disappointed that there is. It, yeah, I was, I was shocked. It's less scary. Like it hugely is when there's a monster, you're like, oh, a monster. Yeah, well, they're just yeah. doing it all in this movie. It's all in there. All right. So, so this, this supernatural light appears and devours the screaming Isaac. Bird emerges and fights Malachi. After pushing him to the ground, Bert convinces the Isn't children Malachi to abandon... How long does that fight last for? No, remember Malachi's 18. So he's the, he's the older one. Which also, to be fair, like I remember thinking 18-year-olds were like the oldest people. Yeah. How well, could you see an 18-year-old? <laughs> They're like oh four God. years old. <laughs> it's like, I know I'm here to start, to start beef, but I'm like, 18-year-old, what's up? <laughs> Adam, give a list. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Bert emerges and fights Malachi. After pushing him to the ground, Bert convinces the children to abandon the cult and run for safety, which, I mean, considering they've been indoctrinated for a while, that's pretty good work from him. Impressive. A compelling argument he makes. He's like, guys, really? <laughs> but Don't now worry Isaac about all that indoctrination. Re- <laughs> 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 Don't worry about it. It's fine. Yeah. Just get out of here. Fine. Forget all that. Oh, okay. But Isaac suddenly reappears, revived by he who walks behind the rose. It's kind of annoying that he who walks behind the rose is his name, is his or her name. Mm-hmm. He tells Malachi that the deity is angered over him being sacrificed, informing Malachi that he who walks behind the rose wants his sacrifice too for his betrayal. And Isaac seizes and kills the terrified Malachi by breaking his neck. Can you believe this film isn't even done yet? There's so much more to go. I'm so <laughs> like, how much more is there to go? <laughs> like, this is Stephen King. It is crazy. And yeah. this is one of his short stories, if I remember correctly. <laughs> Absolutely. This is based on... I mean, look, I'm a big fan of Stephen King, but also I was a big fan of Stephen King at 16, which I think says a lot mm. about the writing. Uh, a storm appears over the cornfield and Bert and Vicky shelter the children in a barn. Bert reads a passage in the Bible Job gives to him. Job also reveals that the police officer tried to set up the gasser hole to stop he who walks behind the rose. Um, sorry, I'm just going to look. I've got a link to a gasser hole here. It's a common ethanol fuel mixture. I don't, I don't know where this came up. <laughs> okay, okay. Cool. So Job also, okay. So Job also, done? Like, like does, it, does it meander this much? in the execution what did you think sammy it's like an hour and a half so it goes by fast <laughs> i'm a big fan of movies were like fuck i sound like the oldest person alive but back when movies were 90 minutes long was awesome <laughs> i mean i feel like they haven't been that long since way before any of us were born <laughs> yeah and yeah they're long and 
It used to be 90 minutes, but actually 85 minutes because the credits were rolling. But now because of Marvel films, you have to wait through the credits just in case there's some extra scene at the end. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I went, this is a diversion for sure, but I went and saw Little Women with my parents over the holidays and they wanted to wait through the credits in case there was a thing after. And I was like, no, that's not the rule for all movies. There will not be, I promise you. They're not doing, they're not doing post credit scene on Little Women, I promise. What if they set up the Little Women universe to just expand it? I wish. Anna the, Anna the Green Gables on a similar bent has like eight or ten eps for the one film. You're like, okay, shit. Like, let's, like, we're in. We're in. Let's, <laughs> we're building a world of Anna yeah, Green totally. Gables. Yeah. All right. Anyway, so, okay. horror film, Anna Green Gables. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, anyway, so they've got this gasser hole here for some reason. Vicky rereads the passage and realizes that the cornfield must be destroyed by fire in order to stop the false god. Bert sprays the cornfield with gasser hole and tosses a Molotov cocktail into the field, setting it alight and destroying the demon along with Isaac. So, so I can't remember this film. Sammy, do you see the demon at some point? Do you actually see this thing or is it always... Uh, there's a big explosion and kind of a light in the shape of a, a big monster comes out. The effects are really funny. They're very silly. Um, but that's the only look you get at it is when it's one thing that is cool is that anytime it's coming it just shows it burrowing underground and so the the dirt moves in that creepy way and that actually does look pretty scary um but anytime it's above ground it's basically just like a a, a flashlight <laughs> like it looks really silly for sammy and shag as the horror competent people in the room no shade emily like is seeing the monster as important as, as I feel it is? Like, I can imagine me like, oh, wow, that's a bit scary. What is it? What is it? What is it? Um, we've talked a lot about that, where I feel like I think it usually takes away from it. I think it's always mm. scarier to not see it. But that said, you always do want to see it. So it's an interest like i'm always like fuck i want to see it but then when i see it i'm like oh it's lame <laughs> i i always kind of think like i completely agree it's that weird tightrope of you don't want to give away too much so the whole yeah. mystery is revealed but then i feel like lately and i also kind of think because we'll get to the end of this film but if this film was made now i do think it'd be a little bit more hereditary in it only yeah. works when like at the end of hereditary when paymon's revealed paymon is so much worse than you could have possibly thought Right. And that's when it kind of works, I think. Yeah. I mean, I love Hereditary start to finish. Did you not like it up until that point? Oh, my God. I no, I love every moment of it. But I kind of thought the whole way through, I'm like, uh, like once you find out it is kind of a demon, it's like, oh, my God, if we see mm -hmm. a demon, blah, 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 blah. But then when you get to the like when they, they basically tell you everything that's happening and Paymon's going to invade, but it's entirely satisfying because the actual ending is so dark and so bleak that yeah. it, I, I could not have expected it. Like I thought, you know, maybe the family's fucked forever or like whatever. But the fact that the whole world is going to go down and Paymon's come back to life is unbelievable. Like it's, it opens a thought in my mind. I, I was talking about this last on last episode of Spooko where a really good horror film takes your like perspective. Like you're sitting, you're, you're sitting like at a perfect, you know, 90 degree angle, everything's fine. And just alters the world just a bit. So the world just doesn't feel quite right anymore. Yeah, 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 Hereditary yeah. Hereditary did that for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I agree. I love Hereditary. Haunts me. <laughs> Let's finish this fucking movie. 
Oh, I'm so sorry, guys. Thank you. Thank you. I realize it's like 1 a.m. or something where you guys are. So no, thank no, you so much. No, it's not too bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, okay. So Bert sprays the cornfield with gas a hole. I can't believe that's a term, but it is. And tosses a Molotov cocktail into the field, setting it alight and destroying the demon along with Isaac. Vicky, Bert, Job and Sarah return to the car to leave Gatlin, but find it disabled. Rachel attacks Bert because she's still annoyed about the blood sacrifice. Yeah, she played a whole party. (laughs) And it got ruined. (laughs) Now, Rachel attacks Bert, but Vicky knocks her out with the car door. Classic. I mean, that's funny. That will never not be funny. (laughs) He's worried about just leaving her there, but Vicky quips that they will send her a get well card from Seattle and they depart with the kids. I'm glad that they included that in the Wikipedia because it's such a funny ending. We'll send her a get well card. It's the actual end of the movie. The credits start rolling. And I was like, what? (laughs) And so now are they just going to parent these two children? Or are they not that young anymore, maybe? That's a hugely good point. Paige, I don't know if you know much about adoption law, but can I just find two children and be like, these are going to be my children now? I guess I don't have have parents, right? (laughs) Their parents are dead, yeah. Their parents are dead. Also, do do we never... Do we never address again that Sarah has visions? It's just to get us through the opening sequence. Is that literally it's, all it is for? It's sprinkled throughout, but it never, you know, really comes to, to anything. It's just when it's they need device. to, yeah, when they need to explain the plot just a little bit more. Now, guys, um, I understand there's some other shit horror movie podcast and get well soon to those idiots because we're about to ruin their lives. and That's fine. <laughs> but guys... Too scary. Too scary. Didn't watch is awesome. Um, what's the best way for people to stay in contact with you or stay up to date with what you guys are up to? Too scary. Didn't watch wherever you get podcasts. Of course, you guys are Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and and all these sort of places. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And on socials. Um, social. We are at TSDW Podcast, and we're on Instagram and Twitter, and an app called Stardust, where you can see us react to movies. It's like. Um, like a social movie app. It's kind of fun. I uh, saw Stardust. Can, can, where, what, what, what's going on? What is that? What's going on? It's like on? letterboxed kind of mixed with a social app side of it. It just has such a nice name. It's a nice name. It is a nice name. <laughs> now, guys, for your next cocktail, I can recommend Resh's. Just you unscrew the top and you pour it out into a glass. And it's the most refreshing. A big glass because it's you've, if you've got a long... Neck? neck. Oh, Long neck. <laughs> we'll need a 20 to 30 ounce glass. It would actually yes. make our day if some someday you did a cocktail with rashes in there because we would also use that as evidence to be like, rashes, you need to sponsor our fucking podcast. <laughs> Please do. Why? We're spreading the love. I'm going to yeah. search for it. Yeah, I know. I was just going to say, can we get it here? Let's try to find it. It's we'll find weirdly it. spelled. It's R-E-S-H apostrophe S. There's a C um, in there. Oh, yeah, there's a scene. I think I said the scene. I don't know. Um, guys, this was awesome. Thank you so this much. Very for fun. Us. This was so fun. Thank, Thank you, you for having us. Uh, this was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe, and follow wherever you can and as much as you can. And Resh's, what's up?